Good morning. Well, most every Sunday, I'm quite content to be a, a pew sitter with my family, but it's an honor to have been invited to preach this morning and to serve with my good friend Hannah. In the box set of Jesus' greatest hits, the Sermon on the Mount would arguably be one of his more critically acclaimed albums. It's not quite the breakout hit. It's more like, you know, his sophomore album, you know, the one that's less formulaic pop, a bit more experimental, just mainstream enough, could start to hear the post-punk influence. The Sermon on the Mount, right, we all know is this significant moment in this Gospel of Matthew. It's uh, one of Jesus's what they call lengthier discourses. A mildly fancy way of saying it's, it's one of these long stretches in the Gospels where uh, it's just Jesus talking for a, a while. Up there on that mount, Jesus goes on for three whole chapters. Last week, Kate offered some really inspired analysis of, of the Beatitudes, which is Jesus' opening track to the Sermon on the Mount. In this mountaintop mixtape, Jesus covers a lot of topics, including but not limited to how to deal with people who do us wrong, how to address broken relationships, what to do with strong emotions like anger, spiritual discipline and piety, having the right mindset in a complex world, how to live faithfully. The Sermon on the Mount also has some of Jesus' more quotable gems like No one can serve two masters. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The gospel lesson appointed for today is probably one of the better known hits from the Sermon on the Mount. Upbeat, but with some slightly edgier lyrics. Maybe a bridge that uses a few more minor chords, makes you question what the song's really about. I realize at this point I may have exhausted this album metaphor to its limits. But you know, with the mention of salt, an earlier draft of my sermon tried unsuccessfully to rely on a soup-making analogy. I digress. Probably most of us, though, right, we've heard the phrases salt of the earth Or don't hide your light under a basket, or a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Such phrases have been quoted and repeated in a variety of contexts for nearly 2,000 years. We may, as so many have, try to delve into these simple few metaphors and, and leave it at that. Even on their own, there is something edifying to be found right in this salt and light and city on a hill. I would ask us, though, to consider that on a deeper level, Jesus may be challenging us to better understand what it means to be a disciple in a world fraught with difficulties. I mean, if we take this salt metaphor, for instance, we we might try to consider, well, what does it mean to be salt of the earth? I know I I spent a a good 20 minutes this week delving into interesting properties of salt and the use of salt in the ancient world. It was fascinating stuff. But I don't know that I came to a deeper understanding of Jesus' message here. 
we might wonder what Jesus is trying to say about us with respect to salt or light or a city on a hill. I think we often want to make this moment about ourselves a bit. We may want to ask ourselves, well, how do I be or become salt or a light or so forth? But I don't know that Jesus' message to us here is merely be a bit saltier or shine a little brighter or build a bigger city on a taller hill. What we might not appreciate at first read is that Jesus uses this bit of his Sermon on the Mount to create some stark contrast between the kingdom of God and the ways of the world. Right? He uses languages like, language like lost and restored, abolished and fulfilled, passing away and accomplished. You can find these words right there in that passage. Often Jesus likes to be strenuous and hyperbolic in this way. It's a hallmark of his teaching style. But he isn't just talking about us as salt and light. Jesus is holding up the message of the gospel, that is, the cross, over and against the ways of the world, what Paul calls in our epistle lesson this morning, the wisdom of the rulers of this age. Jesus is asking us to look outside ourselves and consider the high stakes of following Christ in our world. Jesus is saying something more, something about the kingdom in the midst, the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. So we might instead understand Jesus to be saying, salt is either salty or it is not salt at all. A lamp is lit to light the house, or it is no lamp at all. If there is a hill, and you can see no city upon it, then there is no city. The gospel that we or any of us proclaim is either the gospel of Jesus Christ, or it is no gospel at all. We might set aside for a moment the salt and light and city on a hill metaphors, and and consider a little bit the second half of our gospel lesson where Jesus starts talking about the law. Here, Jesus is anticipating the arguments that some may make against his teaching. Jesus is, of course, addressing the potential objections his own contemporaries would have to his teaching, that he's pushing things too far, that he's trying to abolish the law, tear asunder the culture and society. And I think it's safe to say that we can also apply Jesus' words here to our own present-day world. I may be taking some liberty here, but I would venture that the salt and light and city metaphors are really about the world in which we live, the world in which we are trying to follow Christ. I think Jesus is subtly suggesting that our world would sometimes rather be bland and unseasoned. That the world would prefer to be dimly lit and in darkness. That the world would rather that city on a hill be more of an imposing and unwelcoming fortress meant to keep undesirable people out. In this way, Jesus isn't addressing 
opponents of the gospel, but rather those who claim the gospel for their own, but use it to support their privilege and power. This is why the stakes of following Christ in this world are so high. Some in our world, the rulers of this age, they talk plenty about Jesus. They will hold Jesus up to support their position and to make a case for themselves. Some in our world wield the gospel like a bludgeon or an axe even, smashing and chopping at what doesn't fit into their worldview. But they speak with their own wisdom, a wisdom that supports or it suits their own purposes and not with the wisdom of God. Oh, they like Jesus plenty, just without his spice rack and torch and city planning. Now, now, Jesus, just, just a hint of salt. Just a small lamp over there on the side table. Let's keep a little mood lighting. Let's not redecorate the whole place. We, we like our city just as it is with its current residents. I'm being a bit cheeky, maybe. But I have also witnessed far too often how the bad news of the world likes to masquerade as the gospel. We have seen how the bad news of the world so often runs up against the true gospel of Christ. Jesus himself knows this. He's addressing this very issue here. The wisdom of this age would claim the gospel for itself, for its own purposes, while at the same time say of the true gospel, it sounds like you're trying to change things, twist things, rewrite the rules. They would accuse and condemn and say, you're trying to abolish and overthrow. To which Jesus famously responds, no. Not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass away until he has accomplished what he has come to accomplish. I'm upending the whole affair, Jesus suggests, just not the way that you're implying. What's happening here is that Jesus is telling us, he's strenuously reminding us that through his cross and resurrection, we are already salt. We are already a lamp that is lit to light the house. We are. This is Christ Church. On the corner of Scott and Sixth, this is a city on a hill. And we didn't make ourselves salty. We didn't light that lamp. This city is not of our own making. All of it belongs to Christ and we to him. Salt cannot lose its saltiness except by being diluted. A lamp gives light unless it is covered and hidden away. A true city on a hill is not built to defend itself from the outsiders, but to draw others in, to welcome those outside to become members of the community. Salt is not salty for itself. A lamp shines not for itself. A city is not built for itself. You are the salt that the world needs to season and sanctify it. You are the light meant to shine for the sake of others, to light their paths. 
Together we are a city meant to welcome those outside into our community, not as citizens of the world, but as children of God. And none of this stands on the wisdom of the rulers of this age. Not one word of it, not one stroke of a single letter depends upon the world's wisdom. It is through the cross and resurrection of Christ that whatever was lost in this world is restored, that whatever the world has abolished will be fulfilled. And while the wisdom of this age will pass away by Jesus' cross and resurrection, God's divine love is accomplished in us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.